Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Striding away, nothing dramatic, nothing Um, around the table this afternoon, we have an extremely interesting bunch on an extremely interesting topic. Um, to my right, I have, I don't know, Nora, whether to call you Sport Ireland's Nora Stapleton or former Irish Rugby International Nora Stapleton, but I think you're both, you're the women in sport lead for Sport Ireland. Across the table, I have a lady I know very well, Grania Dwyer, um, international basketballer. I don't know, is she still, have you retired yet? No, no grand side. Maybe after this summer. I don't <laughs> know. No, no, she's still here. I have Therese O'Callaghan, of course, former All-Ireland uh, Camogie winner with Cork, but I know Therese better as one of the leading female sports writers in the country. And on my left, I have, by his own description, he says, a very old man by the name of Eamon Ryan, who is GA coaching all his life and only led Cork to 10 All-Ireland senior titles. So... You can probably gather from that the topic that we're discussing. This is a special Examiner Sport podcast um, on not just women in sport, Nora, but how us in the media cover women in sport. So give me just a sense from your side of the fence of where we are in that now. Is it sport by sport or is there a kind of a general approach that you can describe? God, I don't think there is a general approach, really. Um, I guess, like you mentioned, my my role in Sport Ireland. So I'm in the role nearly a year at the minute, and we've got four different pillars. So one of those is visibility. Um, it's kind of our aim in Sport Ireland to work with the, the various media outlets to see, well, what can we do to increase the amount of visibility given to women in sport across the media, whether it's in print um, or whether it's across TV. Um, I I come from women's sport. I've played, you know, different sports at a high level. And, of course, I want to see more. My interest is in women's sport, and I'd love to see more coverage dedicated. But I realise, and we realise in Sport Ireland, that it's not an easy job. And, and I guess that, you know, people are doing so much hard work already in that space. So how can we, from a Sport Ireland point of view, help to... To shift the post a little bit, so yes. Mm. So answer that question for me. It's, <laughs> in, in, yeah. Like, don't eat up the whole hour on us, but just yeah. actually, I mean, mm. what are you doing at the moment? I mean, forget what we're doing in the media or what we should be doing. What are you doing at the moment to improve that word visibility? So a couple of things we're looking at, I guess. The first is what can the NGBs do in order to provide the stories that that are of interest um, to put in put in the newspapers. Um, so that'll be the first one. And I think we have some really good examples from Ladies GA and Camogie, um, where they do provide a lot of the the stories to the to the media. So we want to look across other sports now to see if that's something we can replicate. Um, and I think that should open up more content for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of things we're looking at analysis and panelists. So how do we upskill um, or perhaps support 
those who are going to be commentating on matches or live events um, how can we upskill more females um, in that area and I think that I think females would welcome that to be honest I mean I've done I've done halftime analysis I've uh, yeah been at the side of the pitch doing live commentary and I never received any training for it I just you know went for it did my I looked in did my background um, checks on who was playing and stuff but mm. yeah I didn't know anything else so I think if we can put a training programme together which we are working on at the minute then I think that should help us as well yeah Eamon, um, you've been in, involved in sport a long time and you were involved more recently as the coach manager to the very, very successful Cork Senior Ladies football team. What did that dozen years or ten years, whatever it was you were involved or in charge, what did that show you about women's sport and coverage of same? Yeah, the coverage has increased big time. Right. I would have been involved in women's sport back in the early 60s and uh, the coverage wasn't great mm. but conversely the support from men from the local club was excellent just like it was 50 years later with the Cork ladies mm. you know um, I don't know if that answers your question but there was less coverage but I think that's con- the, the coverage will be contingent really on crowds attending the games Mm. And uh, there's a bit of a problem there, which whether we tease it out later. No, on. because it's. I mean, it just you. you I think it's worth. I think put, putting some context into this. I interviewed Eamon I'd say Eamon It must be five, six, seven, eight years ago, and it was the first time I'd actually heard somebody within the female sports sphere actually call out female sports fans, and it that it came from Eamon Ryan was saying. They're great to chat about it, but how many of them... You remember, do you remember at the time you said to me they'd rather go to a Munster rugby match than actually go to a women's sport event? I don't remember saying You that did? <laughs> <laughs> no, but my, my point being that, like, I'm neither a social historian or an anthropologist, but it's the way life evolved. Like, I mean, the lady, the, the Camogie, first Ireland Camogie was 60 years after the hurling. Yeah. And the first ladies' football was 40 years after that. I mean, you can make all sorts of, you know, condemn men and everything. But my 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 feeling is that I've never, never encountered a male who was anti-women's sport. Even back in the 60s, which is, you know, well over nearly 60 years ago. I mean, I got nothing but support from, say, the Watergrass Hill Hurling Club or the Glenville Football Club. Then I was with Ballingary ladies when I moved on there. Total support from the guys. Uh, Cork ladies. I could walk down Patrick Street, I'd be stopped by ten men eulogising the players, complimenting me on their brilliance as players. Mm. Never a negative vibe like so. Now, when I talk that way, it looks as if I'm <coughs> complaining about females not attending. But, I mean, I suppose historically... The female's role in the house was much more complicated than our role. Sure. We just, you know, we helped in the production of the children to a small degree. And then the ladies looked after the kids generally. Not because we didn't want them, but that's the way just life evolved like. Mm. Uh, it's probably different nowadays, but I think it shouldn't be a blame game. And I, I hope mm. I wasn't blaming that time when I was saying. I just think it's difficult for a man... <coughs> to go to a female event on his own 
where there may be not many people at the game. He feels under like they're all looking at me. Whereas if everybody is going, you go with your your female partner. Mm. I remember my own father and mother, father from a town mad about sport, mother from a rural parish knew nothing about sport. And back in the 40s, they would be going by hired car to tourless to games. And even though she knew nothing, knew nothing about it, she went with him. And I think the same would happen now if the ladies were to follow Gráinne's team or mm. follow the Corcomogie team, the men could go along with them. And I think that would help. I don't think anyone is deliberately not going. No, no. It's just that the men encourage the ladies to go here, here to four. Mm. And I think now the ladies could have could encourage the men to go. Like, Grainne, Nora and myself and, and David Gash were chatting downstairs just about that it seems to be, rather than just a blanket, it seems to be like sport by sport. I mean, I look at athletics, I look at an athletics meet, I see absolutely no difference whether it's a men's hundred or a women's hundred. I mean, obviously I follow basketball because my wife played basketball, my two daughters play basketball, you play basketball and you continue to do it at a very high level. Do you see any difference? I mean, I think basketball is one of those sports where, I, if, if I'm being 100% honest with you, I'd actually rather watch a women's Super League game than a men's Super League game because I just think there's a little more finesse in it. So, I mean, your experience probably as a basketballer has been relatively positive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think with basketball across the board and on coverage, I think both male and females in our sport get equal coverage yeah, sure. especially I think um, Mary Maguire has profiled it really well with Basketball Ireland she really puts herself out there and puts both the male and female teams out there yeah. but I do think women don't support women as mm. in in attendance going to matches like from since I've moved to Cork and played in Cork I would go to all basketball games I really enjoy watching it I play it so on and so forth but I play with Father Matthews and I could be playing and we have a local derby. We have, a great, like, you know, obviously great crowds there, but we could be playing in Clester from Dublin or DCU. And there's females that play within my league that won't be at our game, but I could go to a Demons game and they'd be at that. And I just don't understand yeah. how, one, they get to come and see what we have to offer and what they might need to do for when they play us. But two, just to come out and support us. Like, mm. women should be supporting women and we should be attending each other's games within the city, I think, anyway. Trez, you were nodding. I'm nodding because I have something very fresh in my mind. I was in Mallow yesterday where the Hearty Cup final um, was part of a double header. I'll call it a double header. I don't like these curtain raises or, you know, yeah, putting yeah, stigmas yeah. on them. Yeah, it's yeah. a double header. But there was there was a gap. You know, the Hearty Cup final was at 12 o'clock and the Cork and Mayo ladies were playing at 3 o'clock. But the amount of young girls that arrived in buses, um, you know, uh, to support the Hearty Cup final... And by the time the ladies' football game came around, the place was cleared. See, That's yeah. crazy, I agree. And I have, We have girls that come in. We, we could have a double header as well with our men. And then our game would be on. And then there's females walking in to watch the men's play. And I'm yeah. like, seriously? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all agree that women do mm. not support women. To me, that is the absolute biggest problem that we have. We have role models. Um, you know, the games have strengthened, I think, and mm. this is because, uh, you know, women now aim and touched on it there, you know, going back maybe years where women spent more time at home. But we've never had so many CEOs in organisations and in businesses, women yeah. at the moment, and they're very interested and very keen in using their business to support 
and to promote ladies' games. Mm. So we have an awful lot going for us, but when we actually go to throwing in the ball and looking at the stand, mm. there are no women there mm. to support the women. Like, I'm going to embarrass, you know, um, because I mentioned you in a separate podcast, which will probably air some stage this week, so even this comment might be out of date, but I, I, I'm, and I make this comment as a sports editor, um, and purely as a sports editor, like, you are the one, you are the journalist, you are the person I hold up. I mean, there's Cleana Foley, there's Mary Hannigan, there's Sinead Kassan, I'm sure there's one or two others now, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I could nearly name them, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, on, I'm only still on one hand here. How have you stood the test of time? I mean, because, you, you know, you, you know are as good a journalist sports-wise as we have. In, no, no, I'm telling you straight up. Mm. Um, so, you know, to anybody who's going to be listening, like, what have you done? How have you managed it? How are you one of the, the kind of the handful of female sports journalists who are operating at a very high level? Well, number one for me is that I'm interested in sport. Yeah. And I played sport um, to the highest level that I could have played it. And I suppose I understand it, mm. you know, I'm looking at it from that way. Um, as a reporter, then, I mightn't come across as tough as maybe reporters who haven't played the game. I would always be sensitive um, to players, to their families, um, particularly it's an amateur sport. I'd be very slow, I suppose, to criticise people not having known where they came from a couple of hours before that. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think maybe that that's a positive mm-hmm. You know, for for myself, how have I stood the test of time? Um, It hasn't been easy. You know, you're 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 it's a full time job. You you devote your life to it, really. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, sport is a passion for me. But this kind of a job as well is something that, you know, you have to forfeit. It's, It's like as if I'm still playing. You know, I can't go out on a Friday night. I can't go out on a Saturday night yeah. because <laughs> I go report your matches on, on, on the following morning. Mm. And matches now can start, you know, 10 a.m. in the morning, Sunday mornings or anything. Yeah. And you can be out all day at matches. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tough going, but I do actually do love... Do you ever feel, like, Therese, do you ever feel, and I suppose I'll bring this back to Nora now in a second, do you ever feel isolated when you're in that huddle of journalists mm-hmm. afterwards and they're interviewing players... And you can't but notice, you know, there's eight fellas here and I'm yeah. the only girl here. What's that like? Is that is that any way difficult? Um, when I started out, I can honestly say I sat in the car a few times until the ball was about to be thrown in. I remember the first few matches I went to. I was looking at the reporters and, you know, chief reporters with various newspapers mm-hmm. um, that I said, oh, my God, they 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 would, they'll be looking at me to see what I am doing here and you, your own confidence is shattered a little bit you know even if it shouldn't be mm. you're questioning yourself when you're looking at these people who are at it for years so when I started out um, definitely I did question myself and I would be at the back of the huddle sticking in the microphone let everybody else ask the questions so I would still get what I needed mm. But over the years, I suppose you gain respect from people. People get to know you. And I suppose I would like to think that you, myself, that I would have gathered knowledge over the years as well. And I'd like to think maybe that I, I do know what I'm talking about some yeah. of the time anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so um, like, you know, you do get co- more confidence mm-hmm. in yourself, but um, it, it's continuous. That doesn't mean I could go to something today and not feel, you know, underwhelmed 
mm-hmm. when more senior reporters are there or if I'm speaking to a manager um, who's managing a team all his life or a very well-known person. And, they, they, you know, they may not mean to be dismissive sometimes to you, but, you know, because they might know you as well as other people, they mm. tend to face and speak to other reporters. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask, if you, you know, was there any particular reason why you felt like that? Because you often hear of, say, referees, that was female referees that will show up to a match and be mistaken for somebody's physio or coaches mm-hmm. would be mistaken for the team fo- uh, physio. So I was just interested to see, was that kind of your own maybe low comp because females tend to have uh, kind of a lack of confidence when they step into situations like that and did that come from within and that whole fear of judgment which is is massive in females I think or was it from the environment that you were in and because I'm kind of looking at it well do we have to tweak the environment do we have to make the male journalists realize or the the teams or the coaches who are speaking realize that perhaps they're being dismissive or do we have to work with the female journalists to kind of wrap up that confidence? And I'm wondering, like, which, it's, which it's, do you focus no, on? No, I'd say it's a combination. And I'm sure the, the, the male managers are, you know, they don't mean to be yeah. dismissive. That's probably my interpretation. Mm. It may not be correct. Um, certainly, I've got better at this and mm. I can stand, you know, on my own two feet. Yeah. But I think anyone starting out... Um, it, it is it is more difficult because you're in the minority. Mm. There is a gender imbalance there. Yeah. You know, it could be five male reporters, it could be one female reporter. Mm-hmm. But I would very quickly add that, you know, all of the time people couldn't be more helpful yeah. and my male colleagues as well. You know, I, I mean, it's great to have them there. You can ask them. Mm. And, and, and what is great for me is that they will ask me mm. if there's a score missed before somebody they might skip you and that's the person next to you (laughs) and you're kind of going oh I'm here as well you know (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. but now um you know anybody will ask you they'll say oh listen did you see who got that and you know that makes you more comfortable look it's a process when you're starting out it's a process you see and that's again and again before we came upstairs Nora you and I were talking about Mm. Therese you know and as I said I don't want to make her face right here (laughs) but like see I don't and I think I suppose that's why I hold her up as the example because I don't look at Therese as a female sports journalist. Yeah, she's and a journalist. And that's growing you where we've got to get to, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like the, you're looking at somebody and you're kind of going, oh, you know, it's just like Therese O'Callaghan. I, I have a problem. I need it solved. Sort it. Mm-hmm. But it's like a process of life as well. It's not just in sport. It's in every walk of life that you have to kind of, like, evolve and grow. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all a process. And, like, you've stuck with it. It's just like, you know... Mm. And you made your own of it, and that's where, why you've got so much respect now. Eamon, in terms of what Therese is talking about, I mean, can you relate to that? I can, yeah, but I, I think most humans would lack a bit of confidence initially in whatever endeavour they're undertaking, Yeah, with the other exception. Uh, <laughs> but most, most would lack a bit of... I mean... If I went to... I won't be one, but if I was to start with a team tomorrow morning, I'd be shivering in my boots mm. you know I, th- I think it's natural that's natural the, the one point I was going to say as well that sport really is should be all embracing I, I remember as a kid the two big heroes are Christy Ring and Eamon Young but I had two lady heroes I had one in the f- late 40s Fanny Blankers Cohn mm. she was a great runner from Holland yeah, the Netherlands yeah now, she she was married with two kids when she won four four Olympic medals in 1948. It's the first Olympics I remember, and the other person then 
I was a little bit older. I might have been, it was just early 50s. This girl from America, Marlene Conley, little more. Mm. She swept all, around, all before her one year. She won about 11, 11 grand slams in two or three years. Mm. And like, it didn't matter to me. And I was sports mad as a kid. Useless at it, but sports mad. Mm. And I mean, Christy Ring and Little Moe were on the same pedestal. Mm. Uh, Fanny Blanker's corn and Eamon Young were on the same, to me. Mm. And I don't know why society doesn't see it that way. Like, I mean... I think, sorry, cutting in, I think kids nowadays are starting to see that a bit more. They are, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they just yeah. see sporting heroes uh, and they see a jersey. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I just can't, kids can see that, but yeah. as they get older, they seem to don't see it as clearly, you know? Mm. Visibility is something, Nora, I'm, I'm going to come back to, but I'd, I'd pose the question as well, the standard the standard of fair that you're watching. Let's just take everybody here, not around this table, but anybody who, you know, has a notion of going to watch a sporting event. You will never in your life watch or hear of somebody going to a sporting event knowing in advance that it's going to be crap. Mm. Nobody wants to. It's like you'll never go into a cinema to watch a a movie that has got dreadful reviews because you're going to go on, I can give that a skip, I can do something better with my hour and a half. I mean... In terms of the standard of fair of what we're watching, is that an issue, number one? Is it a sport-by-sport sport thing? Maybe you can actually start with rugby, your own sport. Yeah, so I think, like, in rugby, the girls have probably gone through a difficult two years um, where the standard hasn't been at a level maybe that everybody would have enjoyed watching it. Mm. Um, and I know we did speak a little bit off-air, and I mentioned well, what are the development programmes underneath? And we're making the comparison with uh, Gaelic football or Ladies Gaelic football and camogie, basketball, hockey, where there are development programmes for under 13 for, you know, county programmes going up through there where they're getting really high standard of coaching. Um, Hockey, where they have under 16, under 18 Irish squads. um, Again, really high level coaching. So I think rugby are coming from a younger age in terms of, um, some of those structures now there, there are interprovincial squads and they're really um, growing now and mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot better structures involved there um, and I think maybe in rugby for the last number of years there was a little bit of frustration with maybe basic errors creeping into the game yeah. that would annoy people if you're seeing too many of them and that that's where the frustration comes from but I do think they've turned it around this year um, now it's unfortunate with the whole coronavirus and, and where the Six Nations is going now because we won't actually see maybe where they would have come in the in the table or in the Six Nations table. Um but I do think that started you know, that standard has started to change this year. Um mm. and I hope it will keep progressing. But as I said, you you don't want those basic errors, whether it's, you know, offsides or just not knowing the rules of the game or forget losing concentration and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think there has been an improvement. So I don't want this to, to come across very negative for them. But can I ask then, just yeah. from my perspective on the rugby, like, so you look at your male counterparts who are professional rugby players. Yeah. So when they get up in the morning, they have a programme set out, like any professional yeah, athlete. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you have your females who go to work, mm. have to think of maybe their kids, their job, day to day, and then their training. Yeah. Or their training first, then move on to work. Mm-hmm. So, like, you talk about basic error and, like, lapses in concentration when you come from the male perspective who that's all they have to think about. Mm. No, and I think like some of those lapses in concentration and basic errors can come from just not playing the game for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't playing as a teenager. Yeah. Um, 
so you're just the training age of the player is a lot younger mm. um, but I certainly think that's starting to change but you're totally right I mean you have professional athletes like if you're a professional in your sport you're going to be a better player 100% mm. um, and I think even as well like sometimes you know if you make the comparison between players there is no difference between the men's and women's mm-hmm. players and what they do on the pitch mm-hmm. um and i think uh, that's important to Absolutely. make as well you yeah. know yeah so let me ask a question um both to you nora but i'll go around the table to Grania and therese as well is it a good or a bad thing so that me as a journalist is calling out those technical deficiencies in a, in a female's game I think that's fine, and I think players welcome that. Because, Do they? Yeah, because yeah. sometimes, like it used to be the case that the only time um, that the Irish team, when I was playing, was written about was when you actually won a match. You know, or the the write up would be so short because you got hammered twenty thirty now that people didn't want to say anything bad about the game. So there wasn't a true <coughs> journalistic reflection put into that piece. Mm. Um, so I think players expect if they they know when they've come off the pitch if they've had a bad game or not. Mm. Um, so I would say players are just look treat players f- fairly, um, write what you have to write about, um, and I think most would welcome that. Yeah, you see, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna come back to you, Grania. I'm gonna skip you for a reason because basketball is different. I think, um, <laughs> like Therese, would you be comfortable calling out like the Cork women, the Cork ladies? senior goalkeeper I know like forget about the, who it is now I'm just use or any intercounty and she drops one in over her head really bad goal are you calling that out as you would if it was Michal Martin the Cork senior footballer yes I, I, accuracy is just a word I've written there at the moment mm. in my notebook yes but it goes back to the point I made earlier there is a way you can call it yeah. you know you, you, you don't have to say like uh, howler, howler, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And it's not an attack. You can say maybe the sun was in her eyes or, or his eyes. You know, I mean, there's there's always but a you, nicer way. But would but you have the same view if it was a male goalkeeper? Oh, I would. Mm. I would. Oh, I would. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I suppose you know, speaking, we might as well speak about Camogie now when I'm at it yeah. and the standard of play there. Um, I'm delighted to see that there's new rules being trialled in Camogie at the moment because the game has been crying out for it. Mm. The last two, the previous to the 2019 final, the 2018 and the 2017 All Ireland Camogie finals were just very, very difficult to watch. They were very low scoring and there's certainly, and the players will say this themselves, they weren't a great advertisement for the game. But then we went to 2019 and we had the highest scoring All-Ireland Camogie final, I think in about 30 years. Mm-hmm. We had the biggest standalone attendance for a Camogie final as well. So, you know, you'd like to think that the game is on an upward Definitely. curve yeah. and that those days are left behind. But, yeah, to answer that your question, Tony. Of course, you 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 have you have to you have to view it with the same lenses. I mean, I'd like to think so, but I know myself. I've been guilty. I'm not going to mention the name or the county involved. And I know there is a slight difference. And you made the point whether they're professional athletes, like rugby players, as opposed to GA players. But I was at a ladies' football game that I covered in the last kind of twelve months, and there was a really poor goalkeeping error. And I didn't call it out. Mm. I didn't call it out. And, and, and I, 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 like, journalistically, I was wrong. But I was thinking to myself, back to what you were saying earlier there, I just felt, you know what, no, that girl's confidence is damaged enough now, besides me having a pop. Whereas if that was Stephen Cluxton, I'm kind of going, this guy's after costing you Dublin the All-Ireland final. And I suppose that's, an, that, that's a leap that 
we have to make still, or maybe so, I'm not going to, maybe other journalists are different. Whereas I look at basketball, and not just because she's sitting across the table, but I'd say I have called out Grania Dwyer for really poor shooting performance. You know, she shot four out of 14, cost her team, cost her team the game. Why am I prepared to do that? I just think genuinely, and maybe I don't, maybe my head isn't in sync with other journalists' heads, I'd say it probably isn't. But I'm kind of looking at some sports and I'm absolutely prepared to call out the inefficiencies. And then I look at other sports and I'm not. Why I is think that? Nora said it as well, because I think myself would be accountable for that. I'd know walking off the pitch. Mm. And I think uh, you probably know me more on a personal level. Yeah. And that, like, I think you're right. I think it's certain players. Like, I actually had words with a journalist before and said, you can say whatever you want about myself or Neve. Write what you want. Mm. I said, like, like, paper never refused ink. Mm. But, like, there's young kids coming into the mix here. Like, they're 17, 18. And what I find with my team this year, it's a mental battle. It's a confidence battle with them when they play. And I just think, yeah, I think you have to be critical of them. You have to call them out. But like um, Trey said, there's a way to do it. And actually, if you think of back to the rugby and the men's team, I'd say journalists probably don't call out James Ryan as much, maybe, when he makes an error because he's just or coming Johnny in. Sexton. But Johnny Sexton, they do. I mean, he's yeah. he's getting him <laughs> yeah, last yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah, he's getting <laughs> abused at the minute. Um, but he's he's now considered a senior player. Whereas I think journalists do have sheltered some of the men's players as well. I think at international been, level, yeah. it has to be. Yeah. yeah, you know, absolutely. You're playing at the highest standard. You're playing for your country, the highest level. Yeah, yeah. and you also know? if you're if you're at that level, you're trained not to read the papers. I mean, mo- like. I know Robbie Henshaw, I think, um, comes off social media for four games in the lead-up to a game and then post-game as well. Right. Um, for the World Cup in 2017, thank God I deleted all my social media apps because yeah. that wasn't a tournament where I wanted to be reading any reports. So you just stay well clear of it. So I think if you're a player at that but level... I'd still go back to the point, Tony, You know, why do you have to say, even if it is a male into Stephen Cluxton, mm. why do you have to say he cost him the match? Because... That guy still has to get up the following morning out of bed. And, OK, if he doesn't read the papers, he's going to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's a big claim to, for somebody, a weight on their shoulders. I remember I said when I was playing and even w- just when we lost a match or if I was taken off, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd be sick for a week after yeah, it, yeah, you know. Yeah. I'd be afraid to look at a paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I do read other journalists who write that or something along those lines, I kind of go... Why couldn't you have said that some other way? Mm. You still get your point across. Mm. Like if obviously the passing of Kobe Bryant and there's a lot of stuff over social media about him, but he actually on his last interview at his last game of the Lakers thanked the media for all the bad stuff they wrote about him and all the good stuff because they said it made him stronger as a player and it made him into the player he is. Mm. So he used it in a positive way, whether it was negative or positive. If you can. If yeah, that's if we can. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. true too, yeah. Eamon, what was your experience? I mean, and I, I'm sorry for harping back to the Cork ladies, but I mean, like, let's face yeah. it, they are the most successful yeah. team yeah. in the history of the game. And and in terms of in terms of a flag bearer for women's sport, not just because of their success, but because of the standard mm-hmm. of what they brought to the game. I mean, were they a confident bunch in themselves all went, or was it something that came over time? Well, initially they had they had never won a Munster or an All Ireland or a league or anything, uh, but I, I find this conversation a bit difficult because mm. I just don't, I just see sport as a passion. I don't care whether you're a man or a woman or a dog. 
you know, it's your passion and this is what you want to do. And I think if you're going to watch it, you should be going in a positive fashion to give as much praise. And if there are things that you find are not worthy of praise, maybe just don't say anything, you know. Mm. But harping back to that team, it was, and and I must say, Komogi teams 50 years earlier, it was an absolute pleasure to try and teach them the game. And even though they made mistakes, once you got across your point, they were so willing to learn and so willing to practice that I just I'm just sad that people more people don't go to their games. Mm, yeah. mm. I don't know whether that answers the question fully, but I think they're but sports you, people. I don't see them as boys or girls. They're just sports. You, you you were back in with the Cork um, men's senior football team yeah. after the ladies. I mean, was that any bit of a culture shock for you in any way? Well, I was in, but I was just a selector. Like, yeah, I know also. that, but you were still still there. Yeah, not really. No. 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 I mean. They're all sports people. They all want to do do as well as they can. Mm. And I think it's how we look after them. I think that's interesting because I've often wondered, and I've coached now both girls' teams and boys' teams, and I don't know, Nora, what would be the the view on this? Like, I mean, do you go horses for courses route in that regard? Or are you actually trying to go with the same template irrespective of the genders? I think what Eamon said there, it's you coach the person. Yeah. Um, so there are there are differences between boys and girls the same way on a boys team, you're going to have to coach the, the each athlete differently as well. Um, so I think we, there, if you're coaching boys or coaching girls, I think there is a slight difference. I've done it myself, um, but it's not so much in the content. Um, like the skills are the same your coaching your your coaching session could be the same you could use the same drills and same games but it's how you apply it and it's how you take them through the various stages of it um, to get the message across I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. in terms of we were talking and I took it off message Therese in terms of female sports writers I'm presuming Nora I mean you're talking about providing training and I suppose this is a question I'm asking for myself how do we actually get more female sports writers into the sphere? Not ex-players, as you mm. said earlier, but actually female sports writers because I just feel, Therese, the more... Like, I, I quote Owen Cormack, and I was telling the lads earlier, Owen, Owen has a really big interest in Camogie because obviously his family and his yeah. sisters play it, and he brings stories to the table mm. yeah. that wouldn't yeah. we, wouldn't be there, we wouldn't be getting otherwise... And I'm just wondering, I mean, this isn't your problem. I know this is my problem. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I just love if there was more sports writers coming through. Yeah. And you're not the, the only newspaper to say that. You know, there is a there is a, a want for more female, for more female sports writers. Um, and I guess that's the, the message that we maybe have to broadcast a little bit more. You know, are we shouting it loud enough? Um, do people realise that... It's not just about writing a good piece and getting a, a clap on the back. It's actually you're you know it's a, there's a job there for you. Mm. You can get paid for this. You know this can be your job or your profession if you want it to be. Um, and we did mention like past players being writers. Some of them will be could be fantastic writers or they will write really good pieces. Um, but sometimes they feel like they almost have to or the you know mm. but if they're not Rather interested than wanting to yeah if they're not interested that's fine but you know you have journalists who want to do this and and let's find them and let's help them and let's give them the confidence if confidence is an issue if they don't think that they're good enough or if it's that fear judgment and oh what about if people disagree with what i write 
well, isn't that okay? That's why you're writing it. It's your opinion and you're putting it out there to cause conversation and cause arguments, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I but think... I think yeah. the point you made, Nora, at the start, that copies provided, I know, from Camogie and ladies football, it may be from other sports and as well. Maybe and basketball. And basketball. Yeah. So the, the stories are actually lending into your inbox yeah. and the people providing these stories are really good writers yeah. and the content is very high mm. and they're ready to go into the newspaper you know yeah. if, if if you can provide that sort of an environment mm. I think in fairness most sports are to a large degree and I'm just running through the sports now um, you know I'm looking at FAI I'm looking at basketball I'm looking at rugby I'm looking at the GEA I'm looking at hockey. I think most sports are making an effort, in fairness to them. Mm. But and I don't want to make I, I, you know I'm going to park this part of the conversation now just because it's not all about media. But in terms of that word again, visibility, that is still so important, isn't it? A to get people who are interested in not just reporting and providing copy grania on female sports, but who are actually digging out the better stories and the more interesting stories. Yeah, and like I know here in the Examiner, I mean, you have. You, the content that you provide for female sports w- would be quite high and probably above the average most weeks. But we recently did a bit of a piece of research that we repeated from 2015 to see, well, what has, you know, what content is allocated towards female sports? So across uh, five newspapers, it was coming out as it increased from three to four percent in print media. Um, and then images went up from three to six percent. So that's, that's not enough. No, like our conversation is, well, how do we speed that up? Because that's mm. over that's over kind of four or five years where we've seen a one percent increase which is really low. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's more and more sport out there and the sport is getting to become a higher level. Um, there's more competitions now, so how do we start to level out that playing field a little bit? Brian, you answer that question. That's an easy <laughs> one. <laughs> I genuinely don't know, but from like my perspective and playing and living in Cork, like between the Echo and the Examiner, the coverage that ladies basketball, ladies sports get, but mm-hmm. basketball in particular is is insane. Yeah. You know, you can't open the Echo on a Monday without having something about every game. And even they've targeted the underage games now. Yeah. And they started writing about that. So they, from a Cork perspective and playing here, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the local news- newspapers are very good across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something to, to note. The research we did was only with the, the national broad, or the national print. Yeah, but in terms... Yeah. Uh, like of the national consciousness, uh, Nora, and, and maybe Therese, I, I, I'll say this to you, like that, like punditry, that's an area myself and another sports editor were talking about last week and the value of the female voice on the one hand, but then the danger of tokenism on the other. And let's face it, there is a, there is sometimes a sense that well, you have to have the, the, the female pundit there now. Do you ever look at it like that or are you able to straight away move beyond that and just listen to what they're saying? Are you talking about female pundit for female games? No, I'm talking about female pundits for and males, females games, but just general female pundits. Like, yeah, you know, say for male games, obviously. Yeah, because well, that's okay, I mean, if you're listening to people speaking, you shouldn't see male or female. No. You're listening to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And if they, like, you have to know your subject. That's, that's the, the basic yeah. requirement. You have mm-hmm. to know what you're speaking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's number one. If you know your subject, you should be there. Yeah. 
that ideal world that you're living in, though, there where everybody just looks at it and they don't see whether the punter, pundit is male or female, is that really the experience, Nora? Like, um, I, I think, as I said, we, we, we quoted RTE. Sorry for cutting across right, you there. Right. We, we quoted RTE before. RTE are very lucky and very well served because they have at least four that I can think of really, really good female sports hack, mm. journalist mm. hacks, as it was, we called them at Nortrade. <laughs> um, so that's done. It's not an issue there. But you, you do have and you, you will have the sense, and it is mainly amongst male sports people. And I know, you know, somebody says, get out of the cave, lads. But you will have that view that says she's there no more for tokenism, the fact that she's actually really knowledgeable. Yeah, and I think... That's uh, wrong, yeah, but it's, it's there. Yeah, so I think the reality is that because what we're used to seeing is men commentating on, ma- on male sport, that when that picture changes, right. we automatically um, hone in to see, well, what is the female saying and is she correct in everything that she's saying? Um, and there's a heightened awareness Good around point. that. And I think we don't just do it for commentary, we do it for referees. Um, and, I th- and males and females are, are guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I remember when Joy Neville refereed her first game, I was looking at what she was doing rather than what the, the players were doing. Yeah. And I caught myself doing it. I was like, God, isn't that horrible? And now it's just normal for Joy to be in the middle of the pitch of any mm-hmm. rugby match. Mm-hmm. Um, and same Michelle O'Neill and, you know, the team when they were when they were refereeing, not just the World Cup, but when they did the the club game, was it Liverpool-Chelsea, was yeah. it? Yeah, sure and something. more people were interested in how the refereeing team were doing, yeah. the, the officials team were doing in the middle of that game and they had to go to extra time and, pel- you know, it was just the, the game kept going on and on and they did a superb job, mm. you know, but they have to, they had to go through that match at a high level before they're accepted, whereas the amount of random referees that are officiating all over the place, I mean, never even bat an eyelid at them, yeah. you know, so I think it's that reality that when we see a female for the first time in a space that hasn't been the norm that we start to pick holes in their performance mm. as opposed to just watching the game. So hopefully that's what starts to change, I think. I think that's a great point. And I think you know that you're really starting to turn a corner in this debate. And I know, Eamon, you, you say it's a difficult debate and you know you just go and you watch a game and you don't care about the genders. And I get all that, but like reality says that I'm going to really start thinking we're making progress in this debate when I'm actually just listening to the pundit and I'm really not caring what gender they are, yeah. as long as, and this is where the tokenism thing still comes up, as long as I'm comfortable that each of those pundits is actually educating me and that I'm getting quality. And I, I mean, look, in this very room last week, Declan McBennett, the head of sport and RT, was there and we were talking about the Joe Brawleys and the Dunphys and the George Hooks. And I was make I was criticizing in the point of sometimes I look at them and I say they're making great points, and then other times I look at them and I say they're talking shit, yeah. you know. And and I think I'd like the debate, Grania, to get to that point where I'm looking at Ursula Jacob or whoever is on the seat, and I'm saying, uh, Ursula, you're talking a load of shit there. But I'm not going to put my hand yeah. and say, oh, I can't say that. Mm-hmm. Fair. Hundred percent. Nora is exactly. It's it's what you grew up with. You watched the Sunday game. All you've ever seen was men. Uh, pun- pundits on it yeah. you know now they've integrated the women into it and it's great but like it's what's norm it's exa- that's all it is so it definitely has to yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah I suppose you have to put the whole thing in context again where we were saying at the start like that there was no ladies sport really mm-hmm. until much later than men's sport and yeah. men's sport was going back so long 
And I, th I think that we're gradually seeing people, ladies coming into the media. You mentioned Ursula there. Mm. I mean, Ursula knows more about hurling. She has forgotten more about hurling than I'll ever know. You know, she's brilliant on, on, on the shores, you know. And uh, you see Breed Stack doing the ladies' football, mm -hmm. doing men's games. Um, there's a girl from Galway, she's a Conley girl. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's a slow process because, I mean, it's like, I suppose it's like any profession. Women are gradually coming in, and I'd say they'd probably take over after another 50 years. <laughs> well, how, how, I won't be around by then. But I think it's more a natural development, and it is happening, I think. Like, 20 years ago, there would have been no female in the examiners doing sport, really. Maybe Mary Morn did some mm -hmm. on the... There was no one like no, to raise like I, I think it's happening gr gradually, and it is gra it will be gradual. Mm. You can't force it. I, th I think. What do you yeah. Think? Um, okay. Can you? I think you can force it because I think, I think probably in the past we've been guilty of maybe not reaching out to try and find mm -hmm. the females who are interested and who are really good at at being the commentators. And um, but I was going to make a comment on the tokenism because. I just kind of hate that word and then I hate when females turn down something and give the excuse of I don't want to be the token female. I'm like, but someone has to be mm -hmm. and go on there and soon everyone finds out, well, you're not the token, you're just exactly. one of them, yeah. you know, and yeah. whether it's whether it's commentating or whether it's on boards, I mean, we're looking at, at um, the national governing bodies and the board composition and how many females make up the boards across our governing bodies. And at the minute, it stands at 29%. Um, it's, that's up, though, from 24% this time last year. So we are going in the right direction. But some of those boards are still at 0% females. So... If one female goes in there, like, you know, grasp that and really go in there and show that you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. I would encourage any females to put your hand up and be that first female in whatever space it is, because that's how we're going to speed up change. Yeah. Um, I was driving my daughter into the bus. She's going to some concert tonight in Dublin. Um, I was dropping her into the bus and I, I knew we were going to be doing this. So I actually just says to her... Um, you know, she plays ladies football and basketball. She plays with Brunel. Sorry. But, uh, so I said to her, like, where do you think we are, by the way, in terms of women's sport? Like, And she, funny enough, no, Therese, because you mentioned it earlier, she says, I wouldn't watch Camogie. Mm -hmm. No, maybe that's the fact that she's a Kerry father, maybe. But <laughs> she says, I, would, I don't watch Camogie. Um, but she says, I think ladies football is decent. But she says, basketball is excellent. Now, I'm coming back to this thing again. The biggest issue... Nora, and I'm using it in a positive here, but the biggest issue we have in this debate is perception. And it's it's changing the perception. Whatever basketball has at the moment, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm conscious of that I'm probably hyping it up too much in one respect, but, like, you look at athletics, you look at basketball, you look at hockey, you look at ladies' football. You know, they're the ones that are in good places. Mm -hmm. Like, where are you targeting, and I want to come to 2020 in a minute, but where are you targeting in terms of is it a sport? Is it a perception? You know, to actually, you, you mentioned those increases, 1%. They're nowhere near enough for me. So I'm just wondering, where are you targeting Sport Ireland? Oh, um, we're, not, we're not targeting performance at the minute, no. Like, that's, that's the national government bodies that target that, and that's their role. Um, I guess for us, it is a bit about that visibility and how can we... 
like how do we make sure that people know what sport is on like we talked about camogie and i can't believe your daughter wouldn't go and watch it like the final last year was amazing mm-hmm. i mean i was talking about it for days it was superb so is it that she doesn't want to watch that because you mentioned that her main sports are football and basketball so therefore that's what she's surrounded by yeah. all the time she's whether she's in school or or, th- or college that's what she's seeing all the time and mm-hmm. so that's where her interest is and i think we have to be okay with people choosing to go to certain sports over another you know we shouldn't have to feel that god i better go and watch 10 female sporting events this weekend or i'm not doing my job yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but exactly. i think for underage <laughs> basketball is quite um like like the, the amount of kids playing basketball is higher than a lot of sports mm. and that's what like i suppose i'm like then there's a drop off age Mm-hmm. And then the standard and the level of basketball also, like, you know, uh, when I left school, I think basketball was like one of the number one sports in the country. It and still then is, yeah. Yeah, still is yeah, yeah. And then like rugby just took off and mm-hmm. the, it became professional and we're still so far behind the rest of the sports. You know, it's crazy. But um, with the basketball, like you were saying there, different sports, like I can speak for two, like I was saying to you earlier, Lindsay and Aoife McDermott, mm-hmm. who've transferred over from basketball, like I played both international basketball and now we're playing international rugby, like, so like there's a lot of transfers from each sport, so I think the more they play mm. is like it, it would benefit for, for all sports, like you've played rugby, soccer all, all of them. Yeah, no, I think um, playing multi-sport is definitely mm. the way to go like I think the transfer to rugby is more so that rugby didn't really exist as an option when we were small. So mm-hmm. that's why you have a lot of players coming to late and that's starting to change. So now you're seeing more girls in secondary school um, who have an opportunity to play rugby and that's only going to benefit the sport then. But, you know, it's not anywhere near the highest played sport in Ireland or anything like that. You're dead right. Basketball in secondary schools is is huge um, and it is one of the most popular sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the one worry I have about ladies' sport, and it's it's I think it's always been there. The drop-off rates are yeah. astronomical. I was reading a Canadian report about I know I was going presenting medals or something three or four years ago, and I got a report, and it said by the age of nineteen, something like over ninety percent of kids who had been playing a sport had or female kids had dropped out. And I think that's very sad, like because. Mm whether it's because of the importance placed on being the best. But the, the fallout rate is huge. And I mean, they're not parents at 19. They don't have family. Mm. You know, maybe that was the, the, the case historically where marriages were younger and kids appeared younger. But I mean, the average age of a young mother now for the first time is 30 or 31 years. So why should people be dropped out at 17 or 18 or 19? And I genuinely, I genuinely don't think it's the coaches or trainers mm. being too hard on them. I just wonder why, why they de- because if we're talking about providing more female journalists, and ninety percent of the participants are dropping away, there's a bit of a problem. And it's sad, like because every kid, whether they're a boy or a girl or a dog, as I said, we need. You need physical exercise even for your mental stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's totally overlooked. I think I, I once I had forced them all to play, but close enough. 
you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's not the eighteen, nineteen-year-olds that are dropping away from sport. It's that transition into first year in school. You see a drop off, then exam years. Um, yeah. But, but but yeah, I I know that's the answer yeah. to it. But the, the statistics went by at nineteen. What percentage yeah. were playing? Yeah. Like I present, I was giving out medals there lately to kids at twelve or thirteen. There were girls. And I felt compelled to say, please don't give up. You should keep playing. Mm. And if people tell you it'll interfere with your studies, that's rubbish. Yeah. It'll complement your studies yeah. unless you're a sports obsessive. Yeah. Now, why why did I feel compelled to say it, giving medals to 13-year-old girls, mm. where it wouldn't enter my head, presenting medals to under 13 boys? Yeah, I felt compelled to say it. So... Great that you did say it as well, though, Eamon, because I think... And they all agreed they'd keep playing forever. Okay. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the power of input. And I won't be around to yeah. check. <laughs> um, but we're... So I, you mentioned there that you don't think it's the coaches, and I wonder, can the coaches do more? So we're trying to put together a coaching module for coaches of teenage girls. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that... I mean, coaches are not infallible. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But I mean... I wouldn't say that the reason for the huge drop-off, no. drop-off vis-a-vis... I mean, boys are dropping off too, yep. but the huge imbalance vis-a-vis uh, girls of you boys mm. is not down to bad coaching. Mm. I mm. mean, it has to be, there has to be some underlying things. I mean, first or second year in school, the boys go to first or second year too. Mm. Now, there is, a, there is a quite a drop-off rate boys, but there's much more with girls. Mm. I think it's sad, like... There could be as well, like when you look at the most popular sports that are played in secondary school, they tend to be basketball, ladies' like football, um, and athletics, I think, are the three highest ones mm. for girls. But where are all the other sports in that statistics? They nearly don't exist. So yeah. I think sometimes the offerings that we give kids in school tends to be team sports on a field or on a court where there's so many Do we have enough role models? Possibly not. That goes back to our original debate. But also, I think it's to do with the structure of, say, the leagues. So Mm. if you have basketball all the way up, you play in your league, be a Cork league, or then under 18s, under 20s, you play at national level. So you could be going to Waterford or whatever. Then you have an under 20s, but they have no league, but they get to play in cup. Mm. So therefore, they don't train regularly with a team, So, but they start training two, three, four months before a cup cup. Mm. Um, quarter final or whatever it is you're in and then after that you actually have no league for anyone that plays basketball from under 20 so then you're looking to play super league or national league which is your next level and yeah. it's a big that's exactly big jump. Trying, yeah. you, that's exactly the position you know, now Ellie my daughter yeah. is in Absolutely. she's gone under 18 yeah. she's first year in college now she's 19 mm. she's not good enough for the Brunel super league team the under 20s were beaten in the first round of the cup and so basically she's no basketball you know now only that she is an obsessive Mm. and she Mm. is interested Mm. she will stick with it but I could see in that situation so many just Mm. dropping off and there's probably loads of them that don't want to travel the country every week either and it's it's, it's hard you travel you put in the effort and sometimes you I mean there's learning it you have to sit there and watch everyone else play Mm. and wait for your opportunity whereas if you had another like under 23s or something that they had to play for the league, yeah. keeps them interested one of the one of the men in our audience today uh, is a guy called Larry Ryan he's a very famous journalist is his daughter right uh, no it isn't right but he has <laughs> twins he actually has eight year old twins one of each he has one boy one girl 
and he wanted to ask a question. Hi, lads. Well, as for the twins, um, the girl is probably the the bigger sports fan at the moment but uh, I can already see what she's up against um, as an Arsenal fan she probably has about six Aubameyang match attacks but she, what she'd really like I'd say is a, is a Katie McCabe or a Louise Quinn but um, what I noticed actually last year and I, and I agree with all you're saying about coverage um, that it's not nearly enough but um, like I bought I did a, did a small study last year where I bought like five or six women's magazines um, maybe 600 pages worth of, of, of material <laughs> couldn't find a single Sportswoman anywhere, and it was the it was the it was the month of the of the Ireland Camogie and Ladies Football Finals. It was the it was the month after the hockey team had had uh, had their great win. Not one single. I think there was there was in fairness there was no men in the meter. There was one sport. Desi Dolan at a golf classic. I think was the only uh, picture of a sports person in it. Like so, not a, not a single mention of, of women's sport anywhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that about? How does it? When you say magazine, do you mean like the? Yeah, your tattlers well, and I mean, things like that, is it? Your I, 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 I judge them as women's magazines because woman was written in big, <laughs> big letters uh, across the front. Um, so I presume they're, they're, they were targeted at women. Obviously, the editors of these don't think that women are interested in sport, somehow. Yeah, you're, unless it's in the gym or some kind That's of That's it, fitness. like this, this is yeah. the new sexy and you have these bloggers and mm. p- people that are like in the gym working out in... Mm. I don't know these little crop tops and like, which is so unrealistic Unrealistic to me. Bodies, Uh, and you know they're. Unfortunately, they won't take it standalone, and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They'll need a second a second story to sell it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I remember, and this is different now, but it just brings something to mind. I'd say going back about ten years, um, you know, and I was trying to promote Camogie. I was working in, in, in the office in Crow Park at the time. And you're coming up to the All-Ireland finally and you're saying, OK, how do I get the stories out there? You know, you get onto the various newspapers, but this was the big kill time for the yeah. All-Ireland finals. And you'd be saying, OK. But at the end of the day, the only way you could sell a story was, say, if their brother was playing in the All-Ireland final yeah. the week before yeah. or the week after. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. It couldn't stand alone. Is the point I'm making. Mm. <coughs> Whereas now I feel that, in mm. fairness, the women's games have progressed to a level where they do stand on mm. their own two feet, mm. and that's because of the um, the girls that we, that they aspire to be. They can look up mm. to so many people yeah. across the board: the Katie Taylors, the Kelly Harringtons, the Rachel Blackmores. I could keep going forever. Mm. You know, the Breach Cockreys, the Rena Buckleys. They are out there. Do you know the way? So those, sorry, sorry those ones it. that you mentioned there. When we when we read about them, we're reading about their talent on the pitch or the field or the court or whatever it is. Do you find? Because what I'm finding is sometimes when we see a story or a like female sports story, that there has to be some other story to go with mm-hmm. it. It can't just be the result or it can't be the post match analysis. So as a writer. Are you? Does that frustrate you, or how do you like? Do you see? Can we change that? Can we come away from that? Like, oh, <laughs> I think it's got better. Mm-hmm. And Tony probably can talk on that. But you know, I remember times when you'd be coming up to big games, and the only time a story would run if it was a negative story. We had times here in Cork where girls were playing in All Ireland finals, Camogie finals in Dublin, and on the same day that maybe the Cork uh, might be big Corks. Uh, championship club championship hurling match and a brother sister conflict 
Mm. And that was the story who's that would run. Who's going to go to Croke Park and who's going to Because this is a terrible yeah. thing to split the yeah. families. <laughs> that was the story that ran that week of the final, mm. not the talent that was going to be on show. I have to jump in there. It was even worse than that. I mean, <laughs> there were camogie and lady football games yes. Which, yes, yeah. uh, in which the same players were participating mm-hmm. were fixed for mm-hmm. the same day in different venues <laughs> at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like it's sad because, just to reference your point a while ago about camogie, it was time they changed from the silliness of the last few years. It's a great game. They were ruining it with all the mini rules mm-hmm. and all the l- lack of uh, phys. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only physical difference between men and women is that men are stronger, not by choice, but whoever's in charge up above decided he'd make one crowd stronger than the other. But he didn't make one crowd brainier than the other. He didn't make one crowd more skillful than the other. He just made one crowd stronger. Now, I don't know why, but... one. That is the, the only difference. And, and if you're coaching, that's the only yeah, difference. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of the problem problems that arose were ignorance. Um, people watching the female, the camogie games, thought they Keep were the, the same rules. Yeah. They should be as hurling. Mm. And they were completely frustrated watching the matches. Mm. And it was turning them away, mm. not realising that in actual fact, this was how the game was supposed to be played. Yeah. But thankfully now, and it's being trialled at the moment, that... This has changed, yeah. and mm-hmm. I hope that they will have the common sense to apply this to the championship. Mm. And like, if you if you read Paul Rose's book on the hurlers, mm. our sport and history in Ireland, like, I mean, it is it was male dominated for years and years and years. So, mm. and I suppose it's the same with the journalist. It's going to take time, but the, the whole uh, landscape is changing, and it's only a matter mm. of time before. Ladies' games are up there on a pair yeah. with men's. Has almost. the twenty? Has the twenty? Sorry, Nora, for cutting across you. Has right. the twenty twenty campaign uh, accelerated or retarded that development? I would imagine it's a, for the main. It's accelerated things at least because it's actually putting things f- front and centre in people's minds. Yeah, I think um, so. What the Federation of Irish Sports and along came a spirit of done. I mean, th- there was a a gap in the market for a common voice, maybe for women's sport for people to get behind um, and to kind of be unified in how they talk about women's sport and I think that's what the 2020 campaign has definitely delivered on um, and it's made it more visible certainly across social media anyway Um, I know they're due to release their results um, in October of this year and have a few more chapters to go Mm. Um, but look in terms of giving a voice and that common um yeah, that common theme maybe to everyone and let us all talk about the same thing using the same hashtag and the same branding. I think that's what it's done really well. Mm. It's a shame that they had to do it though, isn't it? That we had to do that to get this coverage, mm. yeah. you know. Mm. I think like, in fairness, one, the theme I'm, I'm getting around the table is like there are a lot of issues and we're still nowhere where, where we need to be. I know... I know what we need to do in the media and it isn't all within our own gift and I mentioned that earlier in terms of more female sports journalists coming through but certainly a lot of it is in our gift. What can Sport Ireland do? I mean, forget individual sports. What can Sport Ireland do as an umbrella body to accelerate the development of something that we should be accelerating? Well, I mentioned some of the ones in the media already but uh, the whole thing about our policy is that we're stretched across four pillars so I spoke a little bit about the leadership and governance and the stats on boards. 
our aim is how do we get more females onto boards to ensure the decision makers behind sports it's not just male dominant mm-hmm. um, that the decision makers there's diversity there in the room when decisions are being made about well what money should go to the high performance team what money should go to the the various whatever teams underneath or towards participation and development and stuff like that um, other things like coaching for example uh, we have a coaching working group coming together tomorrow uh, and their aim or the kind of onus I'm putting on them is how do we get more female coaches progressing through the coaching pathway I saw a horrible stat today which I asked for like what is the breakdown or, or how many female coaches have we got at the various levels so you've got your introduction level one where introduction you'll have like about 50-50 male female coaches like it's quite it's quite a lot um, of females that coach at the lowest level and that tends to be your son or daughter has started in mm-hmm. under eights and you're there to give a hand level one yeah. yeah but as we progress up then I think there was just short of 1,500 at level two and then level three is the highest level and I'll give you anybody who wants to take a wild guess as to how many we have 59 female coaches I was shocked. Like I, you know, I, compared I don't, to what's the male equivalent, I, I, I don't know, but it was um, a kind of seventy. In other stats that I have, there was like a twenty-five, seventy-five percentage split male-female. Right. Um, so I'm waiting to get those results, and you know, don't maybe quote that, but that'll give you an indication of at the minute yeah. what some of the results. Like fifty-nine female coaches across all our sports in Ireland, coaching at the highest level. So our aim is like, how do we change that trend? We just, you know, is it the structures that are in place? Is it the progression pathways? Is it how we deliver our courses? We don't know enough about it yet. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can fix this just by saying, let's dedicate 50% of our newspapers to female sport and 50% of TV coverage. I think that'd be great if you want to do that. You know, Tony, off you go. I'll support you. Um, But there are so many other things from the decision makers in sport to getting more female coaches, referees. I won't even go into stats and referees because that's even lower than the 59, I imagine, at the highest level. Um, And then participation. We have closed that gap, which is a positive. So there used to be, when we first looked at participation back in... 2007 for every 100 females that were participating 159 males were participating so that was in sport generally yeah physical activity so that could be anything from your recreational walking um through to organized sporting activity now we're at for every 100 females it's 109 males so over 10 years that gap has really narrowed and the aim is that it's just becomes equal but like there are more females in ireland than men so you probably will see and also men are not being as active so we have a job of work to do there as well but mm. it just shows you like it's not a one fix it thing fix all you know one of the areas which you've briefly mentioned on and i'm not i'm not actually mad about the whole area of role models yeah you know it's kind of one of those ones where uh, you know you're relying on a katie taylor it's it's a, it's a very it's a transient thing, you know, Katie mm. Taylor will be gone in, oh, I don't know, well, I don't want to be putting a retirement on her, but you know what I'm saying? And you're kind of like, okay, so do we wait for the next Katie Taylor? Like, surely we don't, Therese, you know, surely surely the campaign, if that's the want of a better word, has to be based more on 
a Grania Dwyer or a Katie Taylor or something like that. It has to be more organic. It has to have more solid foundations. I agree with you, Tony, but I think there is there is no harm no. in 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 yeah, having people. It, yeah. And I did notice recently in um in a GA match program where a GA player um was asked, you know, and they're they're pin those profiles they do on them, mm-hmm. the person they would look most like to meet, and usually it's a male for mm-hmm. male and it's female for female. But his was Katie Taylor, yeah. and right. I kind of went, well, <laughs> yeah. there you are, you know. That's progress. It is. It is. I think the whole thing about role models, though, is like, so Grania is a role model to that teenage girl coming through who wants to play basketball for Ireland. You know, and that's where the you have the importance of role models. Like, when I grew up, I, I wasn't aware of any female... I, I didn't know that there was an Irish team in rugby. I didn't know there was even a Donegal team. And that could have been the closest thing for me. I had no idea that there was a woman's Donegal team. Now, maybe I, I grew up without a TV and I just was out in the back garden playing. That was what I did. But if I had known those things, would I have then, you know, wanted to play for Ireland maybe at a younger age and different stuff like that? You you don't know. Exposure. But I, yeah. It's like I, I everything. Think, yeah. You see more, like, spoke yeah. of social media earlier and mm-hmm. it definitely puts it out there and, like... I remember when I was younger as well, like we'd have to tell you, if there was a Wimbledon on, every kid on the road was out with a tennis racket. Yeah. Then when the GA started, it's, you're out. It's, it's seasonal. Like, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's what you had to do. But I was mm. the same. Like all your role models were male. Yeah. You know, I lived across the road from Semple Stadium. Like that's all mm. we ever see was the men's teams going in and out. The women didn't even train there. Mm. Yeah. They in the rag. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Like that's what we had. And then I suppose my sister got involved in sport and like, she was quite good at it, and I suppose she uh, was your role model. She was my role model, mm-hmm. and I aspire to be better. You, know, you, you see the Michael Murphys of Donegal. You yeah. see the Joe Canning standing on the field for a half an hour, and and as sure as eggs, the snapper will get them, and the picture will be on the paper the following day. Mm-hmm. You know of of the role models and the kids mm-hmm. queuing to get the, the signatures. You don't you don't see that in the ladies' games. But yeah. one of the not as much anywhere, mm-hmm. Nora. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is true. But taking the late 40s, 50s, when I was young, growing up, one, one of the big sports people was a Camogie player, Kathleen Mills. Mm. I mean, I can remember my father gramishing about her and we were interested in how many medals she had. Now, I, I mean, Watergrass Hill was as far away from Dublin that time as mm. we are from Africa now, right? Yeah. But I knew all about Kathleen Mills. I could tell you she won her first medal in 1941 and she won eight, 15 mm. in total, you know? So there were, it's just the numbers is back to the But drop. I think you're u- new, unique in how you speak about <laughs> female athletes. Yeah. Not like, really, no. I, no I, well, in my own family, I knew my brothers and sisters would have been quite aware of Kathleen Mills. Like, mm-hmm. um, Fanny Blankers, my brother, Adam, would have been well aware of her and he'd only been six or seven mm-hmm. in the for, for the 48 Olympics. I, I, oh, I think it's just the numbers thing. I think it's the pl- the place that women had in society for so long. Yeah, there was such, how do I say, there was so so much responsibility on them mm. Mm. in the caring really? and nurturing side of things, as this thing from. And can I just tell you a really funny story? I was at a sense? conference last Friday, and um, they put up a picture after the conference, and you may have seen it across social media recently, but it was a letter that was written into one of the newspapers back in 1967, where a man was given out that Croke Park had decided to open the doors to females for the first time, and how dare <coughs> they 
do such a thing that females should be back home where they belong in Does the it. kitchen and why would they ever consider travelling <laughs> to Croke Park and that yeah. was 1967 so that is where we're coming from Mike yeah. <laughs> again my you sister know. played in 1968 yeah you know well. I, I would have come across very few men like that now to be quite frank yeah. Yeah. I suppose my point on role models and again I, I, I say this less as a journalist and more just as, as a sports somebody who's really interested in yeah. watching sport and sports quality is I'm no Nora, I'm actually almost now more inclined to actually go watch the outstanding female sports star because it's not as common. Like, okay, mm-hmm. David Clifford is a great example in football at the moment, but, you know, uh, sorry, he's a bad example because he probably is in, an outlier in that sense, but you're always going to have those talents on the male side, whereas... I'm thinking of Duran O'Sullivan now, the Cork ladies footballer. You know, I'd heard like this, this, this one's really good. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to check out now how good she really is. Mm-hmm. Like when I heard at the start of the season about this one, Shreeta Parker was playing with Glenn Meyer. Like I actually, you know, I actually wanted to go and I actually made it my business one Saturday night. I wasn't even working to go up to Upper Glen Meyer to watch Look, one of their home games. But Tony, the difference is there. Like say you mentioned David Clifford. If you want to, so people know about him because every camera, yeah, like there's how many cameras in Croke Park that picks up every little detail that he does Mm. and then it's cut up and it's made into this beautiful package and they, you know, it's sent out across airwaves and you just don't have that with females. So in order to, to, first of all, you have to know about the females and then you have to go to, as you said, go out to see a live event and then you're watching it from a different from a distance we don't get that close-ups of the females and I think that's where the whole visibility question comes in again yeah it? that's, pack- to that's packaging there. almost isn't it <laughs> I think yeah. it's back again though to the more females that come yeah. and play the more cameras will be on them you know yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's to, it's to try and curb the dropout rate I think that's the biggest problem yeah. to keep them interested at mm. 15 14 15 16 17 because quite often they're more conscientious about their studies and they're very, very um, liable to listen to people who tell them give up the sport and study. And like, I, th- I find it a bit sad and I mean, I'd be kind of a bit... Yeah. Of a t- I still, I, funny enough, and, and I know yeah. I'm probably, you know, I'm going to get beaten over the head for saying this, but yeah. from my perspective, lads, it still keeps coming back to standard. Mm-hmm to quality and to standard. And the elephant in the room for the likes of the Irish Examiner and RTE and the Irish Times is there's a commercial imperative. We are actually a business business, and we are going to send our resources to places where there's going to be loads of people at that we know are going to want to actually read our coverage and read it online and read it afterwards. And so basically when you're making those decisions, I think everybody needs to understand, people who kind of throw brickbats at us, they need to understand that if you have a choice to give a half page to an Allianz National League game with 15,000 at it or an event that has 200 at it, it's 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 difficult to back up the argument for the 200. So I think, yeah. and I suppose, so my point is though, if the quality is there, if the standard is there, I think then that we have a great chance of winning that battle over time. I know, but half the quality comes from financial back. And like as Eamon said, men's sport has been there for how long? And the media was just there to portray it and to go along with that journey. Yeah. So how bad was men's sport maybe? 
50, 80 years ago. This is oh, what we're trying to make. Oh, yeah, Valencia, there you go. Really yeah. But we just told the story and then yeah. more money came into it, sponsorship came into it, standard went up, teams became professional, sports became professional. Mm. And now we're looking at female sports and we're, it's like chicken egg, what comes first? If you look at the AFL in Australia, mm. they've decided, you know what? Boom, we're pitting in a big league, we're pumping money into it. It's going to be ahead of the men's season. So anybody who wants to watch AFL will all go to that. And they're getting thousands a game. Really? Some of those games, the standard isn't good. But now you've got semi-professional athletes in a, in a league over there where they just decided to put the money in first to bring the standard up. And now they're getting the crowds out. Mm. So that's an example of a country and a sport that yeah. going, do you know what? And Amer- in fairness to American TV, in terms of their coverage of women's basketball, of women's sport generally, what I really like about what the networks and the papers, to a lesser extent, more than networks are doing over there, and especially the LPGA, golf, mm. they're actually investing their resources to the same degree. Well, you had Aer Lingus who sponsored ads, sponsored articles in some of the newspapers, I think it's Irish Times, maybe Independent, but certainly Irish Times, they paid for the articles to be there mm. because they're like, well, how, how's the best way of us spending our money for the Irish women's rugby team? Mm. Let's get a really good article and let's invest to make sure it takes up half the page. So there, that's where you can see like real progressive steps. I think from a sponsor who's saying, well, you know what, this is going to help with the visibility of this team. Let's put the money there and get it across the the print media. Mm. Just to paraphrase that awful thing about you know much done, more to do. I think you could characterise it by saying something done, but a lot more to do. Mm. That yeah. be fair. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Yes, well, I, I think even more than something. I think yeah. that, that a lot, an awful lot has been done. I think because of um, technology and social media, yeah. the platforms are already there. You know, I mean, when we're talking about media, you're talking about newspapers, you're talking about so many different areas, but there's a lot more than newspapers that can be exploited. You can really watch any match now. You know, it can be streamlined if you really want to get it out there and if you really want to watch it. Mm. But I wonder, Tony, you know, newspapers... Um, what you're asking there, are you ever going to get that? Are you ever going to get a ladies' game that's going to rise up above uh, the equivalent not, in the men's? Not looking for that. Not looking for that. But what I'm looking for is... So not when I'm looking for, I swear to God, I was leading the campaign. I'm actually just talking about... I'm, I See, Therese, I'm watching something. If I'm watching a match, I'm really not looking at it as this is a ladies' football match. I'm looking at standard. it as a football match. Well, standard. Yeah, and if I see the standard is rubbish... I'm going to flick on. It's not because it's a ladies' game. Look, I think that is one side of it. There's one other point because we're running out of time. I know Larry's kind of can catch his eye there in the corner. Where he's kind of saying you're run over. I do think one thing I would say, and I would actually just say this almost to aspiring journalists, and I suppose this is my little, you know, sixty seconds of of a soapbox, is my my experience in this game over the last number of years and indeed decades has been now that the minor, not necessarily yeah I suppose the minority sports and the people who don't get the same publicity as the big names the David Cliffords and all these guys that we mentioned I actually find that journalists should be leaning more towards those type of stories now because I think that the way media has gone I think people are more interested in the personal story now the human experience rather than you know the same lines trotted out by somebody who's only there because he's getting 500 quid from some corporate giant to actually be there and has already been told by his manager, you better not say anything, <laughs> or even worse, you better say this thing. Yes. You know, 
I'm actually, as a sports editor, stroke journalist, I'm more interested in reading a really good story. So for all those kind of budding journalists out there who are looking to get in, I would say reach for your basketballer, reach for your Phil Healy, reach for your ladies footballer, reach for people who actually, they don't just have a story to tell, Therese, they have an an interesting and often fascinating story. And so when I'm consuming a thousand words of a feature and I'm reading it, am I really worried whether it's a male person talking to me or a female? I'm not if it's a good story. Nora, you're looking at me. Yeah, because I was going to ask you as an editor then, are you prepared to not send your journalist to David Clifford when he's doing his press it's very much a live topic at the minute. Okay. And don't, I, I mean, in fairness, don't use David Clifford as the example. It makes <laughs> well, yeah. it look as if David Clifford isn't. <laughs> but in actual fact, um, there's, you know, and all of us sports editors, do you see, because we're all rivals, we all almost behave and act independently of each other. Yeah. You ask somebody, right, lads, we're all going to boycott this press conference today. All it takes is one fellow to say, hey, I'm not boycotting it at all. And suddenly his newspaper is the only one there. So it is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. But that conversation, Nora, is, believe me, already out there. Mm-hmm. The way that we have been treated by some sporting organisations, there is a growing level of dissent, number one, and there's a growing sense of saying, should we actually really bother even covering this? There's Would, no story in it nearly. Well, it, well no, because it's, it's, it's so controlled, mm-hmm. it's so contrived, would you be better off actually using your resource to go out and talk to somebody? But again, because there aren't the number of female journalists out there at the moment, this goes back to something you and I spoke about earlier. Sometimes it might actually require a prompt from somebody like you in the know to say, by the way, are you aware that such and such and such and such has after actually to use a basketball, has after been signed by a Division One college in America. Like mm-hmm. Adele Thornton, Grainne, you got a lot of publicity mm-hmm. in America. Absolutely. Top, top player. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went to Quinnipiac. Obviously, Division One university was playing at a very high level. There was a huge interest in her here. Mm-hmm. What does that go back to? The thing I said earlier. Standards, quality. There was no sense there of kind of, oh, we better do it because it's Adele Thornton and she's a basketballer from Cork. The story was it's Adele Thornton, an Irish basketballer, not only playing but getting serious minutes in a Division One university in America. And that was the story. I think you have to be careful as well there because you met, mentioned female journalists a few times. And That's where you're it's correct. Not, I know what yeah, you're going to say there. It's yeah. not that you want them to then go out and cover female sports. Absolutely, it's not, yeah. It's, no, I'm wrong yeah. there. You're 100% right. It's actually journalists, I should say, mm-hmm. with an interest. But my point is, yeah. you see my point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, are we run, now we're after, are we after running way over again? I see I told you we're an hour look sorry to everybody we're an hour and 20 minutes it's just you know what it's an interesting debate Uh, I think it's actually I'm actually more frustrated at the end of the hour and 20 minutes than I was at the start genuinely but the reason I wanted to get this group together was because like Eamon has been there as as a coach and as a mentor and has a very good and even perspective Therese has been there as a player and a journalist Grania is still there as a player and Nora in fairness you're leading I, I want to put the pressure on your shoulders to say you're leading the campaign, <laughs> but you're certainly in the vanguard of the campaign. So to the four of you, I want to say thanks a million and progress isn't fast enough, but like at least I suppose it's going in the right direction, but it just needs to go a little quicker. That's it. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 